When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon uh, to do this uh, Tuesday morning mailbag. Usually these will be on Monday, but with the game being on Sunday, we push everything back. So the Tuesday morning podcast. Shay, how are you doing? How are you feeling before uh, Brian Kelly takes the podium uh, around noon today? Doing well. Uh, as Hemingway says, the sun also rises. LSU's 0-1. Not a big deal. Not the end of the world. Uh, we move forward. I will say, notably, the third year in a row since that 2019 undefeated season that LSU has started the year 0-1. They lost to Mississippi State in that SEC-only uh, schedule, what, back in 2020, uh, UCLA a year ago, uh, and then the closest uh, loss of the three, FSU 24-23, this past weekend. Uh, if you didn't catch our reaction pod, we broke down kind of all of our thoughts on the game. Uh, you can catch that on the Bengal Tiger sort of network of things, whether it's our YouTube or Spotify or Apple or kind of however you digest the podcast. So check that out if you haven't listened to it. But um, yeah, I'm excited. This is our first mailbag. And yeah, we, first... we didn't do one before. So this is the debut. And the only way you can send in questions is from our board uh, on the Bengal Tiger and on three. So only our subscribers over there can send questions. If you want to become a subscriber, $1 for a year still running. Um, and yeah, it's pretty pretty straight up offer. You join and pretty self-explanatory. $1 for a whole year. And it gets you access to not just the Bengal Tiger, which is what LSU fans want access to, but all of the on three team sites and network of stories. And uh, both of us are still in our first week on the job with on three. So um, get in now and, and we can kind of build this thing together. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's five days. This is day day five or six of us working. So there you go. Uh, but all right, Shay, we have, I don't even know how many questions. It's like eight questions, eight or nine questions from the board. Um, yeah. We appreciate everybody sensing questions and we can, we can get right into it here. First question is where is this team most stable? You want me to go first? Yeah, I want you, I want you to go first so I can think about it. I think the answer, and we'll get in. I don't know if we – okay, we, we do have a quarterback question coming, so I'm not going to touch there. I think it's wide receiver, and I, I don't think it's their deepest position on the team. They only have like seven or eight scholarship guys. Normally a college would carry ten or more, um, so attrition has kind of bit them a little there in recent years. Um, they have four guys committed right now who are seniors in high school, so – They'll start to build that room back up. But I say that because, A, I think they're talented. But, B, yes, Kayshawn Butte had a, a bad game. He had six targets. He only caught two balls. He sort of looked disinterested, obviously, in spots. Um, and it was far from what you expected. Uh, the best receiver in the country uh, is who kind of some people and many people have tabbed Kayshawn Butte or at least one of the best receivers in the country. That didn't look like it on Saturday. So I'm looking down at the stat sheet now. 
he had a big, you know, he didn't have a big game, but he will. He'll he'll get settled in. He'll be fine. I thought that Jaden Daniels did a good job. Obviously, Jack Besh being the outlier here with just one target, one catch, but spreading it around everybody a bit evenly. Jare Jenkins, five targets, five catches. Brian Thomas, five targets, five catches. Malik Neighbors, five targets, five catches. Mason Taylor, a tight end, obviously, but if I'm lumping him into the kind of pass-catching group here, um, six targets, five catches. Uh, obviously, Jenkins had a couple of touchdowns, including the, the one as time expired. We saw Kyron Lacey get in there. So I go receiver, yeah. and I say that knowing that Butte's got his best football still ahead of him. Again, not a deep room, but a lot of talent and enough talent to certainly win you a lot of games. So uh, with the lack of a running game, which was non-existent beyond Jaden Daniels, it, um, the wide receiver is an important position. And despite the instability that Butte brought, maybe, I don't think that's anything you have to worry about long term. I think as a group, they are the most stable room. I feel more confident about them than any other room. And probably before the weekend and before Mason Smith got injured, my answer would have been different. Yeah, defensive line is the only other pick here. And so I'll, I'll make the pitch for defensive line because even uh, – I went back and I was watching the game last night and Makai Wingo is very good. He's not Mason Smith, but he's very good. Like I, I think that can be forgotten by people. Just you know, when you see Mason Smith go down, it's like, wow, that's a huge hit. And it is, it is a hit on the defense line. But Mikai Wingo played a terrific game. So if you get Wingo and Jaquelin Roy in the middle there, and they are both a really good one-two punch, and Ali Gate can come around a bit more, play better than he did yet um, on on Sunday. You still have BJ Ojolari, who is a freak over there. I think the defense line, the depth took a little bit of a hit, but I think the talent is still there to be a really solid unit. So that, that'll be my take pick. And Makai Wingo, I think he had six tackles. He recovered the fumble at the goal line to keep Monster. him in the game with a couple minutes left. And he was an all-freshman, all-SEC player a year yeah. ago at Missouri. So uh, you're right. I, I like the, like the shout-out for him because it's noteworthy that A, is about to be playing a lot now that Mason Smith is – is set for ACL surgery and uh, likely obviously to miss the year, but that there was a reason they went out and got him. He's a very good player. Uh, and yeah. we saw flashes of that this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Savion Jones, Desmond Little, I thought also were, were pretty good. Jacoby and Guillory had some moments. Um, we'll see if they get Quincy Wiggins back uh, moving forward as well. All right. Next question. What red flags need to be addressed immediately? So immediate um, changes. I'll, I'll go first on this one. I think yeah, they have to figure out their offensive line rotation. If if this is what they're going to go with the rest of the year or not. And I, I say that because I don't think that they went into this game be like, this is what we're going to do the entire year. I think what we saw throughout fall camp was shuffling, shuffling, shuffling. Even the last time we had media availability there, they shuffled it again. And so I think there's a very real chance that they – that the five that started against Florida State are not the five that started against Mississippi State. Sorry, I'm, I'll skip over the Southern game, but that's not the same five. And I, with that being the case, I think that's the immediate fix is you have to figure that out by preferably week three Mississippi State is who's your best five and who the fiver that can play at an SEC level moving forward. So that'll be my, my pick. Um, I'll go – that's a good pick. And I think that probably – 
assignment blocking on the O-line as well. It's like maybe you may not – this may be the pieces you have to work with. And I, I saw a question coming, so we won't go too deep into that. But you at least need to know how to block the right guy. But I'll carry that over from offensive line. And I was going to say running back here because it was non-existent outside of yeah. Jaden Daniels. But I think John Emery's return in a week sort of helps solve that. My red flag that needs to be addressed immediately becomes – blocking on extra points and field goals it's the most fundamentally you know fundamental element of the game if you're on special teams like that gets taught day one of practices in high school like blocking down taking the guy on the the inside and forcing the guys furthest out to to have the longest track to block the football LSU actually did that incorrectly three times only two times did it actually get blocked Uh, but they left that uh, inside man open three times on the left side, completely inexcusable. It's something that can get corrected in practice. It certainly will be addressed time and again this week in film study and then carried over to practice. So I don't know. It cost them the chance to go into overtime. Uh, and I guess if you want to kind of lump it all in together, had they not gotten the other field goal block and everything played out exactly the same, they could have won this football game. So Simple things like not doing your job and blocking correctly on special teams has to like you cannot do yeah. that again ever this season. Yeah. Um, next question kind of ties into to my point, and I I did edit these questions the verbiage a little bit, but is Anthony Bradford the best option at right guard moving forward? I'll go ahead. Um, I don't. I don't know, but I wouldn't be married to him. And I think he's a really good run blocker. And we've seen that. We saw that in high school when he played right tackle in high school. We saw that last year. I guess he's been on the team a couple of years now. Uh, When he's gotten into games, he can run block very well. He struggles mightily in pass pro. There were times where he got out of his stance and didn't even touch anybody. So my answer would be no. I would think he might be, but you still need to try some other options. Um, obviously Tremont Shorts is a guy that got into the game. They took him out of East Tennessee State. He started a lot of football. If they thought he was better than Bradford, he probably would have been starting the game. So maybe he's not. I think the answer is Emory Jones. And I don't think Emory Jones is better than Bradford right now because Emory Jones is one game into his freshman season of college. But I think upside-wise at the guard position, whether it's left guard or right guard, I think Emory Jones has more upside than anyone on the team. So I wouldn't be done shuffling that if I'm Brad Davis, the offensive line coach. Yeah, I I think there was a reason last year why Anthony Bradford played a ton of tackle um, because we've heard both – I mean, Brad Davis and Kelly and Ogeron, all of them raved about his feet for his size. And I think at the tackle position, that might be a more obvious strength than at guard. But the hope is with his size, you can play him at guard and he moves like a tackle, you know. So that's the whole challenge right now. When you have Cam Wire at tackle, who I, in my opinion, played the worst of, of the five, um, you know, do you move Bradford back out to tackle and then move Schwartz uh, in, in at guard? You know, that, that was something we saw throughout the spring or throughout the fall camp. And so that might be, I think Bradford probably starts regardless of its tackle or guard. Uh, moving forward just in the next couple weeks he would have to play really poorly I think to to lose that um, because we know like the top six and se- six or seven guys are pretty much locked in uh, 
to to that rotation. So, um, is he the best option at right guard? I don't know, but I think he's gonna start either at right guard or right tackle moving forward. So, all right, next question: With Daniels having a good first outing, does Nuss see the significant action in the next two games? I I say I'm gonna say. No, I think this is settled. I think it's done. I don't think there's anything here. I think Daniels played well enough. The The question becomes against Mississippi State. Again, I'm just going to pass over the Southern game. He'll play. Nussmeyer will play against Southern uh, because, you know, in the second half. But my thing against Mississippi State against SEC teams that play differently than Florida State did, Florida State – Brian Kelly mentioned after the game was the way they were playing it with their backs turned. There were obvious lanes for Jaden Daniels to run whenever they play teams that maybe play a lot more zone and make Daniels fit the ball into tighter windows. That would be the situation where you put Nussmeyer into is to make those throws. The problem is that Florida state game was tailored to, I mean, Jaden Daniels, like Jaden Daniels is the quarterback that you needed to have in that situation to run, um, to extend plays and, I think even make the throws that the throws that he did make were not the most challenging in most, in most situations. Like they, they didn't push the ball down the field as much as I wanted them to. So if that's going to be the offense, Jaden Daniels is the guy. And I think he gets all the reps. Uh, the question becomes, you know what it looks like against Mississippi state who usually, you know, will drop eight into coverage and just play zones with a cover three, cover four type stuff. And can he fit the ball into those windows? That's what I'm interested in seeing. Yeah, I think we have to revisit this question, Dan, because I'm with you. Southern, both these guys, the, the goal would be both these guys play. Yeah. Nussmeyer should be playing a good bit against Southern. He needs to get out there, just get it kind of into his groove. But then I'd look at Mississippi State, Jaden Daniels will be the starter no matter what, I think. And there'd be obviously, there'd be no reason after Florida State to immediately pull him. He has started 30 career games. He looked calm out there. He led you on a 99-yard drive with a minute and 20 seconds left in the game and basically no timeouts uh, and was able to throw a great touchdown pass to Jare Jenkins on the last play of the game. Um, 74% passer is great uh, for his career. Um, I put this in a story and tweeted it out. Uh, but he's been over 74% twice before. He was in the 80s. But it were games that they blew people out, and he only—I think he threw 11 passes and 12 passes, so not a big sample size. The other 28 games where he obviously threw more than just 12 passes, he threw 35 on Sunday night. 74% is his best completion percentage, so that's the best game passing-wise, one of them that he's had. He's put up way bigger numbers, 300 some yards, multiple yeah. touchdowns, but efficiency-wise, he was efficient enough. Then his 114 yards rushing, which you knew were going to be a big tool for them, like his legs, were his second most rushing ever. So it's basically his best completion percentage of his career. It's his best rushing, second best rushing total of his career, all in the same game in his very first game. So I think Daniels will continue to start and until further notice type thing. Obviously, like you said, state how they played defensively with Zach Arnett and that coordinator in their scheme is a lot different than Florida State and Mississippi State to Florida State. So we'll see in a couple of weeks with Mississippi State. As you said, if he goes against the zone team, we see how he looks against uh, that sort of um, kind of approach and, and defensive mentality. That said, if the O-line continues to play this bad, Jane Daniels' legs become one of the most important tools on the team 
we saw that on Sunday night. So um, I guess I'm kind of deviating a little bit from the, the does Nuss see significant action in the next two games and looking at kind of a bigger picture thing. Yeah. But I think right now it's very clear that Jaden is giving them the best shot to win if you're basing it off their skill sets and experience. Yeah. All right. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. What is the status of Jack Best, Joe Fusha, and Micah Baskerville? Now, I'm assuming, yeah. obviously, these are not, like, health-related because uh, Besh and Baskerville both played against Florida State. Um, Baskerville didn't record a tackle, I don't believe, but I no. Watched, yeah, watched and we can and was there. We can go through this one pretty quickly. It's yeah. Besh was out there uh, a lot. Yeah. He just only got targeted one time. He actually got open a couple of times that I watched on the rewatch. So he's out there. He'll get more involved. Uh, Joe Fuchsia is on a four-game academic suspension that evidently has to do with some transfer stuff from when he came to, from Arkansas um, during the offseason. It sounds like they're trying to appeal that, uh, but if it sticks, he would not be there for Southern Mississippi State uh, nor New Mexico, but then would be there when they go to the road trip at Auburn. I think the great news there is that Major Burns and Jay Ward, who had to play at safety, the two starters, and Joe Fuchsia would be considered that third man at safety, they were really good. And they looked really good together um, on Sunday night. So that didn't sting them too bad. You mentioned Baskerville did play. I saw him in the participation report. I didn't see him the first time around. Then when I rewatched, it looked like he came in on some dime packages. Yeah, that's um, cool. And was kind of even in the nickel at times, um, or at least kind of playing a little off at linebacker. But that's a big one for me going forward because he's a senior. He's played a lot of football. He was kind of in and out at fall camp. Like we never saw him getting any first team reps. And they went to Matt House, had Mike Jones and Greg Penn starting at linebacker. They didn't, they had forgetful nights. They, they weren't at their best. He went to Colby Fields and, and West Weeks, who were two guys who transferred in from Virginia and South Carolina after freshman seasons that we didn't really expect to play a ton this year. And they were out there as the next two guys up. So whether it's Harold Perkins as a true freshman getting some run at linebacker eventually or Baskerville, I'm curious kind of how much he's Matt House is willing to lean on those guys. Yeah, we we I kind of expected Baskerville and Perkins maybe to be the second team linebackers, but it West Weeks and Colby Fields to get those reps um, in that Florida State game as as many reps as they did. I think kind of caught me off guard. I will say about Jack Best real quick before we move on the they use so many tight ends in like two tight end packages that it limits the amount of like slot guys you can have there which i do consider best to be more so um so it's kind of like he backs up neighbors so much that when neighbors is on the field best usually isn't on the field there's not many sets where they use both of them and so be, that and that's because they have two tight ends on the field for you know multiple reasons that kelly has talked about already this season all right, um, you kind of previewed a little bit. We don't spend too long on it, but how long before you think we see Harold Perkins in at linebacker? Is he really that far behind the other linebackers? I I think – Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I think that if you look at Perkins, he's a true freshman. He clearly is – I mean, he made one great play on special teams, got a pop in, but then turns around at the end of the game when you're actually trying to come back and has a dumb personal foul, like after the whistle on a play that, you know, they kick it out of the end zone or whatever, and he hits a guy in the face who's, you know, talking trash to him, trying to elicit a response, and Harold Perkins gives it to him. And Perkins jogged off the field, and Brian Kelly kind of pulled him over and 
They talked probably for a good 45 seconds before you let him go back to the bench about, uh, obviously, um, look, we don't do that. We're trying to come back right here. You're going to shoot yourself, the team in the foot, get us a 15-yard penalty. Um, and I think that's a freshman mistake. And obviously, House, Harold Perkins, athletic-wise, gifted-wise, however you want to slice that, is the best linebacker on the team. How long he needs to get ready is a big question because if Matt House felt he was ready, Matt House is not only the D.C., but he's the linebacker's coach. If he felt he was ready, he would have been playing him at linebacker because the starting linebackers were not playing that well. We mentioned they went to Weeks, who I thought Weeks had a good game. We saw some Colby Fields out there. Um, we'll see how much Baskerville plays. But, yes, I would have to think, beginning this weekend with Southern, much like the quarterback spot, like Nussmeier needs to play a lot, I would say that you would need to play Harold Perkins Summit linebacker in a game where – if he makes some mistakes, it's probably not that big of a deal at all. It's certainly not going to cost you the game or it shouldn't. Uh, so I would have him out there a good bit this weekend. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you, you covered it well. I think Perkins, I, I don't know if, if it'll be middle of the season. Uh, I don't know how long it'll take him because we have to remember fall camp was like four weeks. Well, in four weeks, it's going to be Auburn week five. Like that's that's a long time for him to continue to improve and learn. I think at some point we have, I mean, you have to see him supplant probably like Colby Fields or maybe West Weeks or something just to throw him in the second team linebacker um, rotation. And if he never reaches that point this year, I will be surprised. I'll say that much. I'll be shocked. Yeah. All right, who should be the punt returner moving forward? And I guess I'll take this as to like who we think will be the punt returner against like Mississippi. Who we think, yeah, who we think will be or should be could be different answers. Um, I looked this up when you sent me over the questions, Matthew. I looked this up the one time, not one time. We watched a few full practices, but the last time we watched a full practice, it was, and then Brian Kelly talked about it after. It might have been the second to last time. It was Malik Neighbors. Javen Nicholas, who's a walk-on uh, out of New Orleans, uh, and he played some special teams this weekend. Sage Ryan and Seven Banks. Those were the four guys working at punt returner. So, and I saw those guys working at punt returner more than once during practices, and Kelly said that's the four guys they've had. So, like, I've seen a lot of, like, Jack Besh needs to just be returning punts or whoever, like, someone who's going to catch it. Like, I'd be a bit surprised if someone who wasn't working as one of the return guys in camp suddenly as the new punt returner because Malik Neighbors had a bad game. Do I think Malik Neighbors will still be the punt returner? No, um, just because I think it's got to be one of those things where he muffed two of them. You need to make a, a sort of firm stance here and say, hey, let's get somebody else in there and see if they don't have any you know, snappies catching the football. I love Malik Neighbors, and I think there could be a chance that if you started him the rest of the year, he would never drop another punt. But you just – that's an unknown. So – you got to go to one of the other guys. Let's do some addition by subtraction here, however you, you phrase that. Javen Nicholas is a freshman walk-on. He's probably not going to be the guy you put back there, but no. he's at least in the top four. Seven Banks didn't even dress out because he's coming off of a hip surgery that kept him in and out of camp. Malik Neighbors won the job, and now we're questioning if he's going to keep it. So the only option, if it's guys that they used in camp, would be Sage Ryan, who is a sophomore nickel safety type player yeah and ryan oh i i don't remember who it was uh if it was polian or if it was kelly who talked about when they were deciding on punt returners some of the players were like go watch sage ryan's film like oh yeah his high school stuff is nasty at punt returner yeah. yeah so it's like like no he's he's a dude he's that type of athlete which we knew coming out of high school that he and won. 
I like that. Like Sage Ryan, he didn't get credited with a pass breakup, but he was in on coverage on a fourth down play where Florida yeah. State did not score, so that was key. But he's kind of a nickel safety. You've got Jay Ward and Major Burns starting at safety, and obviously Fusha will come back. At nickel, you've got Greg Brooks, a senior out of Arkansas, who gives you a ton of experience as a guy who can kind of bridge the gap till when Sage takes over there full-time. I like the idea of getting Sage involved in the return game because it keeps a talented player active in a game. Yeah, no, for sure. The question is, though, and my last thing I think I'll say on this is, do you just put Malik Neighbors out there against Southern because of the it's a low-pressure environment and just to get his head right, you know? Like, this, you can't put him – like, if you don't start him against Southern, you're not going to start him against Mississippi State. You know, it has to be – if I, th- I think there's a good chance they run him out there against Southern and say, hey, we, we believe in you, this and that. And if he muffs one against Southern – then I think we have a huge problem because that is a very low-pressure well, environment. Yeah. If he muffs um, one against Southern, he'll never be back there to return a punt again. But yeah. I think Brian Kelly said, look, hey, we wouldn't have st- – he said after the game, look, we, we cho- this is not like uh, – I guess what's the best word to say? Like this isn't the norm for Malik. Like they would never have started him if he was just muffing punts in practice. Like they have enough other guys who certainly could could catch the football. So – I think it was just a high pressure situation. It gets lost in the lights. It's the first game doing it, whatever it might be. I have no idea. Yeah. But Those... I'm with you. If they think Malik neighbors is the best person for the job, if he, they think he's better than Sage Ryan, which before Sunday night, they had to have thought that was the case because they started him there and they kept him there. If you really feel that, and Kelly said, we'll have to reevaluate it. If you go through the reevaluation process this week and still feel that then play him at Southern. But the, it's not like the leash is short. The leash is no longer existent. He's basically being held now. And if he drops it again, he's, you just don't play him there anymore. And he caught all five of his targets at receiver. And his hands are, was, are tremendous. Yeah. He was great at receiver a year ago as a true freshman. Like he's a big part of this team. If he's not the punt returner, that's not the end of his playing time this year. That's not even his main job. It's being a starting receiver. So uh, I think that he'll be fine. If they play him there at Southern, I won't be shocked. If they go to Sage Ryan, I won't be shocked. Yeah. But I will say, if they go your route and you put neighbors out there, I would still get Sage back there or whomever. To re- Southern should be punting it more than a few times on Saturday. I would get multiple guys out there to see yeah. how they look. Exactly. Uh, here's a side question for you, um, not from the mailbag. Uh, is Seven Banks expected to play? I would imagine. Okay, so – he missed the start of last year with an injury, but not the one he's battling now. He was at Ohio state. Then he missed the final three games with a hip injury, had surgery, missed all of spring, missed a lot of summer. And then he was really in and out in fall camp. So like, I I can't say he has no shot because he was practicing in fall camp, but I can't also say that I feel great about it because he didn't even dress out. Like he was, in street clothes, you know, like warm-ups on the sidelines. He wasn't even part of the 70-man travel squad. That just means, obviously, they did not think he was ready at all for that one game. I'd be a bit surprised if they thought he should then play against Southern instead of just, like, continuing to get healthy or whatever it might be. So, I don't know. I'd revisit this come Mississippi State game. Yeah, somebody would probably ask him about ask Brian Kelly about him maybe today or Thursday. It might be me. Um, all right. Uh, two questions left. What would the fallout of a four-win season be? 
Now, I read that earlier, and I thought it said, what would the fallout of a four-loss season be? Uh, not much of a fallout if they go eight and four. I think that they'd be carrying Brian Kelly off the field. Yeah. Uh, a four, I, I don't know. I'd it's have to a, look. I don't think LSU's winning four games. Yeah, so. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so either. I think it's an interesting – I would say like four or five wins. I think like if you say like what would they fall out of a four or five win season be? Because while I think they're winning six or seven games, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty confident in that. There, there is a world I think where they win five games this year, and there was the 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 fallout of that would obviously, I think Brian Kelly would keep most of the assistants because of how well they've recruited, and I think they're still building a foundation. I don't think there would be much turnover. Turnover. With that being said. Maybe a guy. Maybe you look for a new offensive line coach. Maybe you, um, off. Maybe the offense coordinator doesn't work out. You know, there's there are aspects of it where you just have to completely reevaluate it. Whereas if you win seven games, you might not have to. I mean, you they're obviously going to evaluate everything, but it's a different level of pressure when you win five games than when you win seven games when you are evaluating this team. So, um, I, I think that would be the only thing is you have to make a little bit more tougher decisions. Um, and tougher evaluations if you won four or five games? I think it's a bit of a fruitless conversation anyways because I don't think there's anything to gain. Like, this would be obviously projection. That's what we do. We're sitting here talking on the podcast about things we think could happen. And But I don't think they're going to win just four games. This team is going to get better every week. I mean, that's just how teams are, especially teams that take more transfers than anyone, that have more new coaches than anyone, that have three new coordinators, that have – so many like new quarterback, new O-line, all these different things. Like they will get better. And even then they only lost by one. Like they got run out of UCLA last year in the opener. They got run out of Tiger Stadium by Mississippi State two years ago in the opener. And in both those seasons, they went 500. So like if you go 500 this year, you're winning six games, not four games. So that's such, that's so far down the list of possibilities for me that they would only win four games that, uh, Again, I think it's a bit of a fruitless conversation. It's not going to happen. Yeah. All right. Last question. We'll end it with the on a on a higher note, I guess. Um, someone asked about purchasing player jerseys, and they they haven't seen that be widely available. And I think you can maybe shed some light on that. Uh, if fans can buy player jerseys, or when that will be available, or how that's available. Uh, what 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 is your uh, knowledge on that? I know if you go to LSU Sports Shop, like if you Google to LSU Sports Shop or LSU Sports Shop or LSU Sports Shop dot net or com, whatever it might be, um, you can get the link to it. It's also like on Fanatics. It links to like if you were on Fanatics, you could browse them. But if you go there, you can customize all the jerseys. You can buy player jerseys. Um, you know, whatever it might be. If you just Google in like, like I'll do this right now, Malik Neighbors. Like you're buying. You're buying stock in Malik right now. They're not giving you any discount prices here. But uh, if you just Google Malik Neighbors LSU jersey, um, yeah, there you go. Like Fanatics has it. LSU Sports Shop has it. Um, or you could just customize it and put Neighbors on it and the number eight, like whatever you might want to do. Yeah. So I don't know how all like the money is divided there, like what cut the players get from their name and being used but certainly is now there are ways to do that without you know the fanatics or the sports shop kind of giving you that error and saying no you cannot custom create your own player jersey or whatever it might be so there there are ways to do it now at least separate question 
if you had to have a jersey of one player all time from LSU, who would that be? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I think the two most fun players to watch are Matthew and Burrow, but those are the two jerseys you see the most at games. Um, so I wouldn't want to be rocking the same jersey that everybody not. else is rocking. Of course not. Um, Give me an old-school Russell Shepard uh, LSU jersey. Coming out of, of Texas, five-star. That was kind of in my beginning years of covering the LSU recruiting back in the day. Uh, he's a fan favorite, talented player, made a career in the NFL, obviously. Uh, now he's back in Houston. Big Shepard fan. I think if you wore an old-school Russell, Russell Shepard number 10 jersey around campus, uh, That'd be... some people would give you some love. Yeah, I thought maybe you were going to say Delpit. I'd like a Delpit. You can you can mix that up. An old uh, this is long before your time. An old Ron Brooks jersey for uh, the LSU fans listening now. One of my favorite DBs from back in the day. So it wouldn't be anybody recent. Uh, I, yeah. And Delpit's recent. I'm not hating on him. I would want more of a throwback variety, uh, but not so much throwback to like the '90s, '80s, but more so the early 2000s. So yeah, uh, one of those guys. Yeah, I, I just threw Delpit out there because I know you had him on when you did radio for three hours. So. Yep, yep, he came on the pod. Wait, so who if, – if okay, let's switch it before we close out here. If you had to wear a jersey, but it had to be someone currently on the team, who would you get? Jesus, let me look at the roster real quick. <laughs> who is your Eric Gaines of the LSU football Eric team? Eric Gaines of the football team? Um, dang, that's tough because obviously the best interview, every, every time you talk to Mike Jones, you're like, oh, this dude's great. Like, you love this guy. But if I had to pick, like, Joan, Jones off of, like, just personality, just great guy to talk to, if I had to just pick one, that's tough. I mean, I was on the Nuss bus. Yeah. I'll, Rock I'll, the I'll Nuss take, jersey. I'll take Nuss. I'll take Nuss. He's a I'll Texas Nuss. kid. Yeah, yeah, and he's, and he's from Texas and Dallas area. Sure. G- give me uh, give me the Nuss jersey and the, the Mike Jones jersey. There you go. Or maybe think- a Mark. Maybe a Marcus High Nuss jersey, you know, like the throwback high school yeah. jerseys. That's where you really need to get. Yeah, um, yeah, I would, I, I, I could do that. I, I could do that. I don't think I would buy. I, don't, I well, I mean, I wouldn't because I'm not like a you know diehard LSU. Like I wasn't raised on that, but you know, I don't think I would. I, I'm trying to think of like, I, I think for a team from when I was in college, like a Fournette jersey, would be so so tough to me. That's something I would buy because. I remember where I was when I watching watching Leonard Fournette run, and that was that's probably the most memorable LSU player for me ever is Leonard Fournette, just because of how freaking dominant he was when I was in what was I was in high school, I think, right? Um, so yeah, Leonard Fournette jersey would be would be number one. All right, get you, get on Fanatics. I'll get you one for Christmas, Matty B. You can I'm trying to it. think. Leonard Fournette, yeah, 2017 draft. Yeah, so that's my – he was in college my whole high school career, basically. Hmm. You're showing your age here. Everybody else that's listening was, was much older than Leonard. Dating myself, dating my, myself here. All right, uh, we appreciate you all for joining us on this mailbag. Again, we will do one every week. Usually it will be on Mondays. Today's on Tuesday. Um, maybe we'll make them live at some point, uh, moving forward. I'm still working on connecting the YouTube and the Facebooks to our, uh, to all this. So we'll get that settled. Uh, we appreciate y'all for joining us. Uh, you, Brian Kelly talks at 
12 o'clock. So uh, we will have a lot of content up off of that as well. Become a subscriber for the Bengal Tiger podcast. You could send your questions in for $1 for an entire year. We've tweeted out about 100 times. Uh, Billy has as well. So uh, take advantage of that offer. But, yeah, we appreciate you all for joining us, and we will talk to you all later.